Well, uh, hello everybody. It is great to be online with you all today. And um, just a massive thank you to the most amazing team that are around me right now. We're a skeleton crew because of the, um, the, uh, the different regulations at the moment. But honestly, I just, I hope wherever you are watching this, that um, you would just bless and be so appreciative of this incredible team that have just worked tirelessly to make sure that we can connect despite the craziness of the season. So everybody here, a million thank yous. Bless you. You're all rock stars. You really are. So um, today I have the privilege of um, talking about knowing God. And um, A.W. Tozer, who is uh, just a wonderful, he was a, a wonderful preacher, a wonderful teacher. He actually spent his last days, he was American, but he spent his last days actually here in Toronto. And one of his most well-known quotes is this. And he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. Now, if you're a part of this beautiful uh, Lifehouse community, you know that we've been going through a 21-day fast, and the purpose of the fast is to grow in intimacy with God. And um, as 2021 started, I, um, I just heard God saying that He wants us as His people to know Him. It wasn't about the next prophetic word. He didn't want to highlight what the five-year plan is for Lifehouse. He didn't want to, to give us a sort of rah-rah envisioning. I, I really felt God say, I want my people, every man, every woman, every child, to know me. And uh, not just to know him on the basis of someone else's revelation, not just to know him on the basis of, of the, the latest book that we've read, but to really grow in our relationship with him and to know him, all the aspects of who he is. And, um, you know, in the Bible, it actually tells us that we can know God just by looking and what has been made. And that theologians call general revelation. It's the revelation, the understanding that we can get just by looking at what is around us. We know that David said things like, um, the heavens declare the glory of God. Nature itself speaks to us about aspects of who God is. But um, we needed more than that to know God. And so what theologians call special revelation is what happened when Jesus came to earth. Jesus made God the Father known to us in a way that no person could have ever discovered for themselves. And so through Jesus, we have this amazing special revelation. We have this understanding of who God is and we can know him. In fact, scripture tells us that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. If, if we want to know what God is like, if we want to know him, all we need to do is know Jesus. We need to just look at him. And he is the exact representation of the Father's being. And so I am praying this year that whenever we get an opportunity to chat throughout the year, I, I want us to be able to look at the different aspects of who God is and to know him. 
so that we can know our God, and by the end of this year, we can be people who say, we know our God, and therefore we have hope. We know our God, and therefore we are not shaken. We know our God, and therefore we are resolute in our love for others. We know our God, and therefore our steadfast commitment is to share that love and grace and hope and power that is in him with others, so that they can know him too, and they can experience that love that he lavishes on us as his children. We were created to know God, and we were created to love him forever. And uh, Jesus says this in John 17. It's verse 3, and he says, Now this is eternal life. Listen to how he defines it. He says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So we know that when we're saved... And uh, if you are watching this and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen to what happens when you do enter into that relationship. When we are saved, when we receive Jesus into our lives, we receive his forgiveness for everything we've ever done wrong or should have done and didn't. We are made new creations. Our old sinful nature dies and we are made new. And our spirit man is made alive in Christ, and we are forever safe in a relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit. And we receive eternal life, which is this promise that we will live forever in relationship with God, and nothing can snatch us out of his hand. But Jesus does not say that eternal life starts when we die and go to heaven. He defines it very differently. Jesus says eternal life is to know God. And that's what God is saying. I want you to know me. I want you to know every part of me. And then through you, others will come to know me too. So going back to that uh, Tozer quote, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. We're called to know God. Now, we're living in a season, I think you would agree, of great loss and pain for many people. And um, I think even if this pandemic hasn't affected you too much personally, you don't have to look very far to find someone uh, who's reeling from the effects of this season. Really, there's loss everywhere. There's loss of income, there's loss of freedoms at the moment, loss of choice. Uh, so many people have, have lost their dreams, plans that they had made have gone out the window. Uh, loss of relationships, um, the, the ability we had to just connect on a whim is, is no longer um, available. And in so many heartbreaking situations right now, there's the loss of loved ones as well. And so my question to us today is this. What do we think about God in this season? And that's a question that he's posing to us. Now, the first and foremost truth that God wants us to know, uh, when we think about him, and he wants it to be a foundation in our life, and certainly um, the place from which we live in 2021, and it's this truth, that he is good. So wherever you are right now, please just say this with me. God is good. Say that again. God is good. 
Now, I just loved it this morning because God has this wonderful way of just confirming things. And so even before this live stream started, the, mu the musicians started to play and, uh, and Josh just started to sing The Goodness of God, which is one of my most amazing favorite songs. It just speaks so deeply to me. It, it gives voice to what is such a... Um, a, a strong um, passion in, in my life. It just, it's, it's just the most magnificent song. And so the fact that the goodness of God was being sung about this morning was just such a glorious confirmation in God saying, I really do want my precious people to know that I am good. You can rely on the goodness of who I am. So a couple of things that I just felt God wanted to highlight um, in this, this truth. The first thing, is that when God is something, he is that thing perfectly. He, he never just is aspects of that thing. So if he is good, he is perfectly good, which means he is good all the time. There's never a moment when he doesn't have good intentions towards us. There's never a moment when he is something other than good. He is Whatever he is, he is perfectly that thing all the time. The second thing he wanted us to know is that, and so he never changes. The second thing he wanted us to know is that because he is good, there is not a single situation or detail in any one of our lives where he is indifferent about it. God is never indifferent about the circumstances that you are facing. He is always good, he does not change, and he is never indifferent as a result. And then number three, he wanted to highlight for us that he cares about us. And because he cares about everything that is in your life and everything that you are experiencing, he wants to be involved in that. And that is why he wants us to know him, so that we can live from this place of knowing, Lord, you are good. You care about this. And then we live from that place outward. Now, I have a story for you. Some of you uh, in this room um, know the story already, but I just uh, I felt to, to bring it to us this morning because of the things that God has taught me through it, and hopefully in some way um, you can relate to it um, or certainly learn from my mistakes, <laughs> if nothing else. So... The morning after I preached the last time, so the last Sunday I preached, I think it was uh, five days before Christmas, the morning after um, I had preached, we woke up, and James, I think, mentioned in one of his preachers before, um, a whole lot of our main floor in our new house that we had just moved into three weeks previously um, was covered in several inches of water. And our dishwasher had broken during the night, and the water had been pouring for six hours uh, onto our main floor and then through our main floor into our basement and into our garage. And because we'd moved three weeks previously, there were boxes and things still in the basement. Now, mercifully, we had unpacked most of them, but um, seven years' worth of homeschooling books and lesson plans, and resources, and all the homeschooling stuff that I've done with my boys for seven years, and had very diligently unpacked already and ordered and everything, all of that was destroyed. 
And um, there were some other things in our basement as well that were destroyed, and it was a complete mess. And if you've ever had a flood, you know what I'm talking about. And if you have never had a flood, I pray you never have to experience it. But, um, you know, usually I'm good in a crisis, but this was one of the times where I literally walked back up to my bedroom, and I literally just put my arms out, and I fell face first into my bed. Just like that. And it was just a sense of, I'm out. I have no idea what to do, Lord. I have, I have no ability to cope in this situation, or I don't even know what to think. And I literally just lay on my bed, face first, just, just fell onto my bed like that. And James has never seen me like that because he walked into our bedroom and he saw me just laying on my bed like this, and he just went, oh dear, <laughs> because it was a very, I guess, unusual sight. And... Um, you know, but we prayed, and relief came. And we had 16 industrial fans blowing through our house for four days, and everything seemed okay. And then the smell developed. And uh, in between, I was trying to like dry out bits of curriculum that I was trying to salvage. And I tripped, and I fractured my toe. And I just felt goof, just back again, right? Just face first. I, I just don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to do. And then the mold appeared. And that was my final undoing. It really was. And um, I had this moment of absolute frustration and fear and panic and just very tearful rage and asking God, what is going on? And why aren't you helping? And, and where are you? And I felt so um, afraid of what was going to result and what was the cost going to be and what was the impact going to be on our family. And um, I, was, I really was just in a very fearful place. And then, once again, a solution um, came about and this relief um, was just something that I was experiencing again. But I found that what was happening was every time the next thing happened, I would fervently pray again, and, and then the relief would come, and then I realized I wasn't spending time with God. I was just now just getting back into dealing with, with the different circumstances, and I, I wasn't just allowing Him to just speak to me and, and process things through with me. And God just arrested me. In, in the kitchen one day, and he just, he just said to me, Lee, you're settling for cycles of fear and then frantic prayer, and then you're living on this sense of relief until the next crisis hits. And he said to me, that's not abundant life. He said, I have abundant life for you. And he said, you're living from this low-grade fear that I might not be willing to actually help you in a situation. And the reason you're living in that low-grade fear is because of other things that you thought would come about in a certain way or promises that I've made to you that haven't yet be, been fulfilled. And, and on the basis of those things not being the way you thought they would be, you've allowed this low-grade fear to, um, to kind of be the thing that you're operating in. And so he asked me this question. He said to me, what are you thinking about me right now? Am I good? Whew. 
I have learned in my life that when God asks you a question, <laughs> it's serious time. There is something he wants to put right. There is something he wants to lead us into. But he's so good that he came and spoke to one of his daughters in Mississauga dealing with some mold in her house because of a flood and the panic around it that, that ensued when the world is going through a pandemic and people are going through so much more than that. But he cares about every detail in our lives. And he cared to come and ask me that question and say, Lee, what are you thinking right now? Am I good? Charles Spurgeon says this. He said, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to be mistaken. And when we can't trace his hand, we have to trust his heart. Isn't that beautiful? Too good to be unkind, too wise to be mistaken. So when we can't trace his hand, when we can't see what's going on, we have to trust his heart. So in other words, when life doesn't add up, when it doesn't seem right or fair, or when we can't see what God is doing, we need to trust his heart because he is good. In Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He is slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. This, friends, is our God. And so sometimes, honestly, there are events in our, our lives, and maybe this is what you're experiencing right now, where things just don't seem right, where we haven't even done anything wrong or but everything is going wrong. Uh, we've, maybe we've loved, we've served, we've been faithful, and awful things still happen. And children get sick, and loved ones pass away. And things break, and jobs get lost, and businesses fail, and it doesn't seem fair. And we find ourselves crying out, where are you, God? And what is going on? And why aren't you seeming to help? Where are you? And friends, those cries are very, very real. But there is a book in the Bible called Lamentations. And Lamentations is all about capturing the, the, the pain and the anguish of people who are in the midst of very hard situations and going, Lord, what's going on? But in Lamentations 3, there is the scripture that uh, has meant more to me than, than many other scriptures in, in my life in particular. And it's, it's this thing. The, the author of the book of Lamentations, after lamenting and questioning and asking all of these things, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So it's because he's good that we can trust him despite circumstances. And you know, the beautiful thing is that God isn't good on the basis of what we do or don't do. He's good because he's good. And um, because he's good, we have this choice to run to him in every moment. And we can know that in him, we can find what we need for the day. Because his mercies, his goodness, and his provision are new every 
single morning. He never runs out of his goodness and of what we need. We can find it in him. One of the scriptures um, over the whole of last year, over 2020, that God just kept pronouncing over um, us as a people was Isaiah 40, where it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's what he promises for us when we know him. The fourth thing that um, God wanted, I felt wanted to highlight for us, um, just under this topic of the fact that he is good, is that in his goodness, he doesn't always respond to our prayers and um, our requests in the way or in the timing that we expect. So he, he is good. He is never indifferent. He doesn't change, and he always cares. But in his goodness, he doesn't always respond to our prayers in the way or the timing that we think. And so instead of that, he says this particular scripture to us. He says, I want you to bring all your needs and desires. I want you to bring your circumstances to me. And, and then he says this, don't be anxious about anything. It's Philippians 4. He says, I don't want you to be worried. I don't want you to be panicked. Don't be like me. <laughs> don't fall face first onto your bed and go, I'm out. <laughs> All right? We don't need to do that. God says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, which helps us to remember what he has already done, the goodness of the Lord in other situations, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he says, bring your requests to me. And then he says, the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And this thing by prayer, God is saying by prayer and petition, bring your circumstances to me. But Hebrew uh, culture had a different understanding of prayer than we do. That word prayer in English, we we understand it almost as to ask or to beg even. There's the sense of, well, I'm going to pray, right? I'm going I'm to fervently ask God until he hears me kind of thing. That's not how they understood it. Um, there's a, a word for prayer in Hebrew, and it's called tefillah. And it, it literally means to self-reflect. It means to evaluate thinking and responses and attitudes and actions in the light of who God is. That's very different to wanting to hold on to him and, and, and ask and ask and ask until something happens. He's saying, come and self-evaluate with me in my presence. Come and let's commune. Let's have a conversation. Let's, let me give you my perspective about the circumstances that you've brought to my attention because I know about them anyway. And um, it's very, very different. We, we do not need to think that in any circumstance, God is somehow lofty and distant, and we need to somehow petition and wail and cry and be like those 
jolly prophets of Baal, right? Who felt like they needed to cut themselves and do all ridiculous things so that their false God would hear them. God does not require that of his children. He requires that we come and we commune with him and we have a conversation with him on the basis of him being good. And then he brings his perspective. And then he says this. He says, in seasons of loss and pain or confusion, he says, come and talk to me about that. Tell me if you're angry. Tell me if you're disappointed. Tell me if you're confused. Let's talk about it. And then he says, I promise I'm going to give you my peace. And my peace is going to comfort you more than any understanding, more than any intellectual answer could ever bring you. And then he says, that peace is not going to just comfort you. It's also going to guard your heart, which is your seat of thought and will and emotion. I'm going to guard all of that for you. And then he says, I'm going to guard your mind as well. I'm going to guard your thinking while you're trusting me to outwork the situation, even if the outcome of it doesn't look like what you thought it needed to be. Isn't that amazing? He's so good. And so my question again, what comes into our mind in this season when we think about God? Because what that thing is, is the most important thing about us. And God is encouraging us and saying, let what comes into your mind when you think about me in this season, let it be that I am good. We may not understand why things are the way they are. We may never understand some situations on this side of eternity. But in Romans 8.28, God says this. We know that in all things, God works together for the good of those that love him. He works all things together for the good. He's the only one that can bring amazing things out of tragedy. And so I just leave you with these thoughts. That what if our worst circumstance may actually be a miracle in the making? What if our worst heartache might actually be the building material that God's going to use to bring about the greatest blessing. Let's have our good Father's perspective in all of our circumstances because he is always at work, he is always good, and he is always, always for us. And honestly, church, we can trust him. And then I just felt God say, on the basis of the fact that I am good and I am for you and you can trust me, do not allow yourselves to become fatigued in showing compassion and care for one another. There is no place in God's kingdom for compassion fatigue because our strength, our ability, our provision, everything can be found in him and there's always more than enough. And so God is calling us in 2021 to be a people who know him, that we live from the foundation that he is good. And then we take that love and that power and that hope and that goodness and we demonstrate it to those around us that they might be able to know him as well. So I would love to just pray for us as we close. Lord, you are beautiful, you're wonderful, you're glorious, just like we sang this morning, Lord, and you 
are good. And I just thank you that you can be known, that you have made a way for us to know you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have done everything required for us to be able to be in a wonderful relationship with you. We are fully known by you. And Lord, we want to know you fully. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you do not change, Lord. And thank you that in these seasons of loss, you are our comforter and you are our provider. Father, I ask for your great comfort to go out and surround those right now who are feeling overwhelmed by loss, Lord. And Lord, I also ask that you would make us so bold that regardless of what we are facing and regardless of circumstance, we would be people who make your love and your hope and your life and your power known to those that don't know you yet, Lord, so that they can come in and know you too. Lord, I declare over Lifehouse and over every precious person that when we look back, all we will see is your goodness. Thank you, Lord. So bless you, friends, and I look forward to when we'll be back together again. But God bless you, and remember, he is good. Thank you, Lee, for that great encouragement, an incredible, powerful word of God. And I know and I believe it has really driven home the true understanding of God's goodness. And I do take this opportunity to just say, if you would like to know more about God, it's as simple as inviting him to your life by receiving him right now. As the scripture says, with your mouth you confess, with your heart you believe, and he will come and live in your life. So this may be a prayer for anyone who are out there looking to know about God. Jesus, this is a great moment. Thank you, everyone. It's a great privilege for all of us to be together. And for all of you who have joined us online, do you have a great, wonderful week ahead? And before I let you go, I just want to remind again all the new um, uh, members who have been part of this community for the past six months, 31st January Book your calendar, please. It's going to be a great Zoom session with um, some of the team, uh, some of the Life House leaders and the fellow new team members. So we're going to have a great time to know each other, to fellowship together, and also know how we can serve the community together. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Bless you guys.